and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Continuing on in Colossians chapter 1, today we look at stewardship as one of the points of emphasis for the Christian believer. And also, question, is it possible to be born again and not preach? Stay tuned for the answer to this and other questions as Pastor Robert Elliott presents. Preachers are to hold in sacred trust and integrity the word of God which they preach. But it's more. Preaching is not just a stewardship. Preaching is a benefit to those who hear preaching. I have car insurance, as we all do, if we're driving legally. And when I have an accident, I don't want an insurance company saying to me, well, I'm not sure we'll do a payout on that one. I pay my premiums for my car insurance so that in the event of an accident, when I make a claim, they will fix my car. I have a benefit for being a policy holder with my car insurance company. God is saying that the preaching of his word is a stewardship to the man or woman who preaches it, and it is a benefit for everyone who hears preaching. That has fallen on hard times in 21st century evangelical America. I'm here to tell you this morning on the authority of God's word that preaching is not archaic. It is a solemn trust from God. Preaching is not irrelevant. No, preaching is the best thing that I can do for you as a loving pastor and you, my flock. Preaching is the best thing I can do for you because preaching God's word verse by verse in context in the power of the Holy Spirit is preventative maintenance and preventative medicine for the sheep. God has raised high preaching. Robert Murray McShane wrote of preaching, I preach as never to preach again, as a dying man to dying men. George Whitfield said of preaching, the Christian world is in a deep sleep. Nothing but a loud voice can waken them out of it. Chuck Swindoll stated, a preacher's job is to move black print off white pages into the hearts and the minds of men and women. Jonathan Edwards, I go to preach with two propositions in mind. First, every person ought to give his life to Christ. Second, whether or not anyone else gives him their life, I will give him mine. Vance Havner said, when preaching, the preacher's job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Dr. S.M. Lockridge wrote that a sermon should do four things. Stretch your mind, tan your hide, warm your heart, and provoke your will. My preaching has come under criticism in many quarters, as some of you realize. And so by way of encouragement, I have a laminated card on my desk that I read often. And this is what it says. It is a quote from Albert Moeller. We need preachers who are dangerous in the pulpit. 
dangerous because it is our responsibility as heralds of the gospel, as the stewards of the mysteries of God, to lay bare the truth of God, to preach the word, to read the word, and to explain it. Because preaching isn't just a skill. It isn't just a craft. It is not even a calling. It is an event. It is the singular event whereby the one true and living God determines to feed his people, to nourish his people, to conform his redeemed people to the image of his son by the preaching of his word, by the ministry of his Holy Spirit. As Jesus said to his own disciples, feed my lambs. This is how they're fed. And that kind of feeding requires an intensity. The kind of intensity that should mark every preacher in every pulpit. End of quote. Now, as I've been emphatically pointing out the word of God's emphasis on preaching, you may have been thinking, yes, Pastor Rob, that is so true for you. But may I ask you, could you be a born-again Christian and not be a preacher? I don't mean on Sunday mornings. I mean on Monday mornings. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, are you not a preacher in what you will do tomorrow morning? Yes, you are. And will you not preach to congregations on Monday morning that I will never get to preach to? Yes, you will. Are you going to stand behind a podium, a pulpit, and do that preaching? No, you're not. You're going to preach with your life. You're going to preach with what you choose to say or not to say, with what you choose to do or refuse to do. You're going to preach by what you think or you refuse to think. You are going to preach. Any of you who know Jesus, you are preaching constantly to your children, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to the cashier at Walmart. You all are preachers. You are preachers at your service clubs, at your neighborhood co-ops, at your soccer pitches, at your baseball diamonds. You are preachers at your yard sales. You are preachers at your union meetings. You are preachers at your workplaces, in your classrooms, on your vacations. You are preachers. And a preacher, by definition, is a herald who proclaims God's truth. And so we must emphasize preaching. It's a stewardship. It's like money on deposit at the bank. The bank sees your money as a stewardship. It's a benefit to all who hear you preach. It's like a claim being honored by your car insurance company in the event of an accident. And so we are to emphasize the church, and so we are to emphasize preaching. Third, what are we to emphasize? Christ in you. Christ in you is to be emphasized. Verse 26. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints. When the Bible references a mystery, it's not a whodunit. It's not a, a dateline NBC. It's a biblical mystery, which is an aspect of the plan and counsel of God that has been in his mind from eternity past that has never been revealed in Scripture prior to the verse that cites the mystery. 
So something is being revealed here in Colossians 1 that has been in the mind and heart of God from eternity past, but no other scripture verse leading up to this one in Colossians 1 has revealed what that thing is. So this is exciting. It's like a debut. It's like a theological concept going down the red carpet at the Oscars. And what is this concept? Christ in you. Verse 26 again. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been made manifest to his saints. 27. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, second time, among the Gentiles, what is it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All these messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, none of them predicted that Christ would live inside the believers. In fact, Old Testament believers had no concept of God living in them permanently. So Moses was visited by the Holy Spirit. Abraham was visited by the Holy Spirit. Esther was visited by the Holy Spirit. David was visited by the Holy Spirit. But all these cases, after the exploit was accomplished, the Spirit of God did not continue residing in the Old Testament saint. They had no concept that Messiah would come to live inside future believers. It was a mystery. Christ being in us as believers is one of the primary truths of the New Testament. And us being in Christ is a secondary truth of the New Testament. Why do I know one's primary and one's secondary? Easy. Let me point out that the words Christ in us, in us, appear 78 times in the New Testament. Whereas the words us in Christ occur only 11 times. Both things are true, but God emphasizes that Christ is in us 78 times, and us being in Christ only 11 times. So here's the deal, church. As truly magnificent as the first Christmas was, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, it is equally magnificent that the Son of God lives inside us now. Christ in you the hope of glory. And so we must, as servants of Jesus Christ, emphasize that Christ is in us. That encourages. We don't go to do the Christian life tomorrow morning alone. Christ is in us by his Holy Spirit. Fourth emphasis in the text is the individual, the emphasis of the individual. So far, we've seen the passage previously emphasize the collection of believers. It's called the church. But now the passage emphasizes the individual believers who make up the church. You. Me. Individual believers. This church is the sum of all the believers who are part of this church. But each one of you is important to God, and each one of you should be important to each other. Because one of the emphasis of being a servant of Jesus is on the individual. Will you notice in verse 28 that three times every man is mentioned? We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Each one of you is important to the Lord Jesus and each one of you ought to be important to each of you. Of course, when it says 
the ambition we proclaim him Christ admonishing every man man is not meaning just males it's the generic term for mankind men and women boys and girls and this whole point in this this verse is that uh, biblical admonishing and biblical teaching and biblical presenting as mature are highly individualized activities and now today's ministry spotlight pleased to have uh Pastor Wendley Fowler with us in the studio this morning, and one of his uh, responsibilities in ministry with our local church is to have some oversight over our world uh, missions department. So good to have you with us this morning, Pastor. My pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Um, just to start things off, I wonder if uh, you could speak to the question, does everybody get to go to heaven? Emphatically, no. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. Only those persons who place personal faith in Jesus Christ will go to heaven, um, which tells me that there is a significant uh, amount of people who will not go, simply because they have not yet made that decision. And that gives me and all of us an opportunity to reach them, to cross over and share the gospel with Jesus Christ with those individuals. Yes, indeed. It's not, I'm okay, you're okay, neither one of us is okay without Jesus. And uh, sometimes there are cultural barriers between our willingness to go and take the good news of the gospel to a person, uh, whether it's language or culture or um, regional isolation or what what have you. We are blessed to have missionaries that we financially and prayerfully support that are both uh, domestic here in the Bahamas and also foreign where they are working in, in countries other than the Bahamas. I'm just wondering if you might be able to help us understand the kind of cultural barrier crossing that has to happen. Well, I think to begin with, um, of course, we do have the perfect example in uh, the first missionary that we know, who was Jesus Christ himself, who yes. actually crossed some extreme barriers to come and, and give himself. And some of those things we might have in terms of the specifics to the question would sometimes be language, sometimes in terms of all of those things that we normally associate with culture, in terms of how you perceive things, how you live. And sometimes we allow that to prevent us from sharing the, the gospel with others. Uh, we need not go very far. Um, to find a difference right here in our own country. Certainly here in New Providence and certainly the family islands are included. Um, there are diversities of uh, persons that we have in our land. And we may have not, I believe, uh, maximized the opportunity to reach out to these individuals um, with the person, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. So we would uh, emphatically disagree with the, the liberal Christian notion that everybody's okay and we shouldn't foist or push our particular faith onto anybody else because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Now, um, we've been blessed over 50 years to have prayerful and financial interest in people who are missionaries. And uh, on some scale, the amount of the financial investment is uh, considerable. Uh, and I just wondered if you might explain to our listeners how those monies are, are raised and how they come in. Very well. Uh, we, we refer to it as the faith investment. And we use investment intentionally because we believe that the investments or the return on your investment 
is out of this world. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it certainly exceeds what we put in. And so, and again, the the key word of faith, because there's an element uh, that we believe is in, uh, indispensable, faith in that God will do things that we cannot even begin to imagine. And over the years, we have had, as you've indicated, some incredible results of that. Um, but with respect to, uh, there's always certainly room for improvement and we can always increase uh, certainly our investment. And investment not always have to be financial. There's certainly the element of prayer that we believe is the most important part of, but also investing of ourselves, our time, you know, um, in terms of actually going and being maybe just across the aisle, um, across the the um, the desk in your workplace. So as a missionary, because we believe we have been given a message and we must share that message wherever God or whatever context God has so sovereignly placed us. And indeed, as you've indicated over the years, um, our program here, particularly with respect to how that is done, we ask you tell our people what the needs are, our local missionaries as we refer to them as, as well as our foreign missionaries across the the world, uh, with respect to trying to encourage indigenous people in those lands to support them with the sharing of the gospel. It has been incredibly um, encouraging here at Calvary, and, and it's such a, a blessing to, to know that our people are, are so giving in that regard. And so we have uh, many good stories we can tell as a result of God's faithfulness to our obedience to um, his mandate to go and be involved in, in missions. It's wonderful. One of the churches I was privileged to pastor on, the exit door of the building was a sign that said, you are now entering the mission field. Because really, uh, there is a mission field wherever any believer sets foot. Um, another thought I've, I've had is that uh, sometimes uh, an impediment to the Great Commission of everyone being given the chance to hear the gospel and be a follower of Jesus, one of the impediments can be sometimes Christian parents are, are reluctant to release their children with blessing to serve in other parts of the world as missionaries. Um, and so one of the things that is on my heart is that our people in our wonderful church family would have open hearts and minds to what the Lord might be doing with their precious children, and maybe that would be relocating them to uh, Europe or to Asia or to some other place. Um, so uh, what I like to call that is the goal of having a people tithe to world mission, which is at least 10% of our church family actively involved in taking the gospel across cross-cultural barriers, whether that's in the Bahamas or or any place else in the world. So that's my heart. And uh, as you said, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was the very first um, missionary of all. So thank you so much for being in the studio, my brother. My pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. And let's have a, a time of prayer together. Absolutely. Lord, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one does come to the Father but through you, but those who will come through you by faith will get to the Father. Yes. And so, Lord, we pray we be faithful as a local church to uh, send missionaries with our love, with our prayer, and with our money support, and that we'd also be faithful to be missionaries right where we work and study and transact. To the end, Lord, that much we made of Jesus. Yes. And we pray in his wonderful name together. Amen. Amen. And now, Help for the Hurting, with the director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Thank you again for allowing us into your homes, cars, or boats. We 
acknowledge that this is indeed a privilege for us. I am Pastor Frederick Arnott, the Executive Director of our Counseling Center, and in the studio with me uh, this morning is, of course, my wife, Helen Arnott, who is Director of Christian Counseling Services. For the past three weeks or so, you might have heard testimonies from individuals who have uh, been helped as a result of coming to our Christian Counseling Center. We have many tools that we use to help hurting people. One of them we would like to share with you, or at least begin to share with you this morning, and that is Prepare Enrich. Prepare Enrich is tailored to couples' relationship and provides couples experiences in building their relationship skills. And that is very important in any relationship. We also have parenting version in Prepare and Rich. The parenting version of Prepare and Rich is also designed to guide couples through the emotional experience of parenting by empowering them with insight into their parenting styles, families and uh, dynamics, and also couples' relationship. The parenting version is best used with any committed couple whose primary concern are children and parenting. I would also like to say that Prepare Enrich leads the way in helping couples explore and strengthen their relationship. The main component of the program is an online survey you would use as a couple. It should take you about 30 to 45 minutes to complete. Prepare, enrich, is not just any survey. The items you respond to are based on research and individual help to identify the unique strengths and potential growth areas of your premarital and marital relationship. One of the things we do is, first of all, you will meet with a facilitator who is trained to provide feedback by helping you to understand your result and learn the importance of relationship skills. It is, of course, built on a solid research foundation. Prepare and Rich has been improved and refined over the years to become one of the best and most effective, easy to use relationship assessment tools available. 
to us today. Over the last 30 years, the Prepare Enrich Relationship Assessment has empowered and energized more than 3 million couples. This is one, if not the number one, premarital inventory and couples assessment tools that is available to us today. And may I say to you, I have tried many different tools, but this is one that I can truly say that I find very effective in helping couples not only to understand what they're getting into, but also equip them to become a couple that not only is good in their homes, but are able to help others also. Thank you for listening to us this morning, and we will continue from here next time, DV. And now, the Bible's answers to your questions. The question for this morning that I'm going to try to answer is, if the Bible is God-breathed, why did it say in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, and in the New Testament tells us to love our neighbor? And are these not contradictions? My answer would be, uh, for the same reason that we have a communion table and not a butchering altar at the front of a church sanctuary, for the same reason we bring Bibles and not lambs under our arms to church, because the Bible is a progressive revelation. God's will is progressively revealed to us as we read Genesis through to Revelation. One way to put it is that the Old Testament is Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. The eye for an eye quote comes from the old covenant called the Mosaic Law. And the love your neighbor as yourself quote comes from the new covenant. We call it grace. These are not contradictory. Actually, they are complementary. The law points us to our need of grace, and the law shows us that we need Christ. But one more thing. Even with the new covenant of grace, the New Testament still teaches capital punishment. Apparently, some of the aspects of the law are timeless. They are not eclipsed by Christ or grace. And capital punishment is one such aspect of the law of God. You can see that in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, and Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. <laughs>